Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. As a new we're way. almost done with 2020. I mean, essentially, we're done, and that's the reason for today's episode. <laughs> we are going to do something that we haven't done in the past, which is we're not going to be dropping any new episodes for December, so this is the last episode that you guys are going to be hearing in December, kind of similar to the summer when we took a break. Even though we had done some recordings over the summer, it was just a way to prepare for the fall, which has been just... What is a good adjective for the fall? I don't know. It's Unpredictable. So hard. Well, it's hard for me because it's very bittersweet. There's been so many ups and downs in the fall, but then, you know, Logan being born makes things just, I know for me, it's so hard because you see so many difficult things happening across the country and with so many people. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough that we're able to work from home. And yeah. obviously he was born happy and healthy. So I don't know what adjective to use to describe yeah. the fall. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, you can't enjoy the happiness without the pain and sorrow. And I think that is just the epitome of 2020, just like in our personal lives and in the lives of so many. So we're going to try to recharge. We can only keep doing this and try to, you know, have these meaningful conversations and start these conversations with a fresh kind of mind. So we're trying to save like our reset button to hope that we can be recharged, rejuvenated for 2021. And hopefully all you listeners can do the same with us, even as stressful and as crazy as life is right now, hopefully in this next 20 minutes, we can try to reset. I know. We have a very special treat for you guys, and I'm going to have our guest introduce herself, but we were, it's kind of one of those things where the universe presents an opportunity and you just jump on it. That's literally what we did with it like in the last 24 hours. So a special thank you to one of our main podcast producer, Lauren Revely. Revely. I always say Revely, and it's Revely. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for us and for making today's episode even happen. So I will have our guest introduce herself. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Jana Janopa, and I'm an energy healer and also a meditation teacher. And the meditations that I teach are called sustainable compassion training. Can you kind of describe what that is for some of our listeners or for any newbies out there to meditation? Sure. So it's probably new to a lot of people. This is a form of meditation that has been adapted from Tibetan traditions by my mentor, Lama John McCransky, also known as Professor John McCransky. And it is one of the newer forms of compassion meditation to make it onto like the mainstream. But it's been in development for a very long time, like more than 15 years probably. I've known John for about 25 years. He was my professor. Oh, wow. My favorite professor. And there are two other forms of compassion meditation that are rooted in Tibetan traditions that I'm aware of. And then there's also the whole world of mindfulness meditation. So provide a little bit of context. We could think of in the Western meditation scene, we first experienced mindfulness. 
and mindfulness-based stress reduction. Mm -hmm. These practices were taken from mostly Asian Buddhist cultures. So people from the U.S. traveled there and said, oh, this is really like helpful. Let's do some of this. Mm -hmm. So John Kabat-Zinn and others adapted those practices in their own way. And they were largely focused on the body and finding evidence for these practices to be helpful for our physical well-being and finding proof for that. And they did a great job of finding that proof. And recently, what we have learned or discovered is that those practices themselves leave out some of the traditional aspects of the teachings, which are also helpful to our humanness and our well-being. So what differentiates sustainable compassion training Mm -hmm. from mindfulness Mm -hmm. as well as other forms of compassion training is that we start with what we call a relational starting point. Mm. And this is something that Westerners, white people missed because of our hyper-individualistic society and values. However, the way that people do these practices in Asia and in Tibet is that they enter into the practices as part of a community. So right. there's no right. self mm-hmm. that exists prior to the meditations or prior to the community versus how many people approach mindfulness, which is that is a self-help tool, right. a light pack of some kind, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm doing this all on my own. Right. And people, you know, it's hard to seek with something. It becomes a to-do project. It isn't necessarily as replenishing as it could be. So these practices we find are deeply replenishing. And there's also some indications that they help to heal attachment issues, early childhood attachment issues, and can heal and reverse some of the symptoms of trauma. So there's a lot of reasons why people are excited Mm -hmm. about sustainable compassion Mm -hmm. training. Yeah in kind of the research field, but I can tell you from my own life, what excites me most about them when I look back on my time doing this and how my life has changed is that I have experienced greater self-acceptance and greater acceptance for those around me. So much to unpack there. I love it. And I'm so excited to have you on. So a couple of different things. I think that one of the things that people maybe in the late 60s, early 70s, when people were going to India and maybe even bringing back some of the traditions of yoga and mindfulness and meditation and kind of capitalizing it or putting their spin on it here is that individualization, right? That you were kind of talking about and that something was lost. But really in the last 20 years or so, which is not a very long amount of time, there has been so much research about meditation. And Amanda and I talk about, you know, the neuroplasticity, right? That the brain can change. It is constantly changing. You can develop new neural pathways, new ones. And what we're seeing, and I think where the research is going for a lot of the kiddos that we service, what dealing with trauma is really unpacking that. And so for me, you know, if somebody had thought, you know, meditation is very woo woo or, you know, just not very, you know, it, that is a very old mentality simply because the scientific community is very much interested in meditation and the way.
way that it affects its brain. And I think when I kind of started delving into it earlier this year, pre-pandemic, and just listening to different podcasts and stuff like that and getting into meditation, you know, just having that approach, even though nobody had really, you know, had that conversation with me, I think it's just the way that it was portrayed in like movies and TV and things like that. And so that I really wanted to kind of say that because I know for a lot of people there, and we're going to have you lead us in part of the compassion meditation. Some people that may be familiar with like loving kindness meditations and things like that might have a basis, but we really just felt when this opportunity was presented to us that this would just be such a fabulous way (laughs) of ending the podcast, of ending this year, because at the end of the day, it is about community. And I think that's Amanda and I were literally just talking about it at lunch today. <laughs> how it's this, you know, Amanda, how you were saying this individualistic. Yeah, well, I mean, we're just, you know, people always say, like, you know, you're only as, you know, strong as your weakest link. I mean, not just in families and communities, in our country and in the globe. Like, we are so much better when we work together and we try to help everyone rather than having this mentality that I am on my own. I fight for what I need. I, it's so much better off. We're all much better off if we, you know, just like I'm learning right now of it takes a village to raise a child, right? It it is very much that. And as much as we've all dealt with in 2020 and we've all dealt with it, we've all dealt with the different experiences and different, you know, trauma ourselves and good, the good, the bad, the ugly of 2020, you know, we all could use that coming together. And I think it does start from within. I think something that we missed in uh, the way that we were raised is the truth that we are interdependent beings. Mm, mm -hmm. So truly, my happiness is dependent upon your happiness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And your happiness is dependent upon my happiness. Mm -hmm. And this was stripped away because of our cultural norms. Right. But when we analyze the human condition, we see that cooperation is what will be necessary for the survival of humans in the next chapter of human existence. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a feel-good kind of idea, something huggy-wuggy. Our existence actually depends on our cooperation, and our cooperation is dependent upon compassion and empathy, which is the ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, and then to take, this is where it turns into compassion, to take skillful, caring action. And there are many people who are like catching on to this, thankfully, and we are seeing that our happiness is interwoven as well as our suffering. Absolutely. So, Jonna, can you kind of go through maybe some tips for some of our listeners? Most of them are parents, we imagine, (laughs) just based off of our Facebook group. What kind of tips would you give to them? You know, whether that be kind of listening to your body or, you know, breathing techniques or kind of some things that they can take away during this time. So I'll start with a something that Lama John said years ago that shifted my perspective. And so I think the first thing I can offer you is this shift in perspective. And that is something he said was, in order to send 
love, and compassion. You must be in a state that is available to receive love and compassion. In order to send love and compassion, you must be in a state that is available to receive love and compassion. So we can, during this holiday season or during any stressful time, if we are in the position of caregiver, we can remind ourselves that at the same time, we must take a posture of receptivity. Mm-hmm. And we must learn how to receive care. So that's the, like the first thing. And I think it's nuanced. It's different than an idea of self-compassion, like just directing compassion to myself because that's me doing it. What I'm suggesting is that we have a posture of openness, which requires a bit of healing and some practice because we're not used to that, right? That's kind of our target. That's where we're aiming. A breathing technique that I learned from a colleague, Jean Campbell, who is a somatic experiencing practitioner is we call it vooing. And this is, I mean, anyone can do vooing and I can promise you that it will change how you are feeling. And it is a way to tone the vagus nerve. So I'm going to invite you, Vicki and yeah. Amanda, to do this with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we breathe in and then on the exhale, we make a voo sound like a frog horn. Oh, okay. So it's like resonance. Okay. Yeah. So we'll do, you can do as many voos as you want. Yeah. You can start off with just a couple, or you can even do this for a couple of minutes. Okay. So let's try about, let's say, five of them okay. together. Okay. okay. So I like to breathe in through my nose, big deep inhale, and a long voo sound on the exhale. see my dog's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's happening? <laughs> and booing again. We'll do it two more times. from feeling a little silly compared to when we started. I mean, it is. I'm used to feeling silly. No, definitely just the vibrations, just really just kind of going through and almost that kind of harmonious, right? And doing it with someone else. Obviously, it's a little different than if I was in a meditation room with others in person, but I still feel that energy and I just lighter, right? Yeah, um, I realized I was on mute oh, yeah. I, <laughs> while I was breastfeeding, so definitely helped relieve any tension that comes from That's funny. Yeah, no, I think it's the shift in perspective, I think is wonderful. I think that for a lot of people that, you know, aren't necessarily ruled by their emotions, they want kind of everybody, I say this so many times on this podcast, everybody wants to categorize, everybody wants to label that we're in this business where, you know, 
school districts, parents, teachers, everybody labels the child. And they don't really see the child as a whole at times. And that breathing technique just really kind of focuses you into the now, which I remember when like I first started, I was just like, I don't get it. Like people saying like live in the now, like of course I'm always in the now, but your brain or my brain wasn't necessarily here, right? It was either predicting the future or it was living in the past. And so what I like about that breathing technique is that even if you felt silly doing it, just like I said, the focusing on something, either the vibrations of the woo sound that it makes or just even hearing other people do it, it really just kind of centers you. And I think that's important because it's very easy to live in the future or live in the past, but it's so hard to be in the moment. It's even better than that because any kind of breathing or focused attention or from a Buddhist perspective, mm. we would call this um, shamatha with support. The vooing is a little bit different because that resonance that you felt and you described as feeling it maybe with the others that were doing it, mm-hmm. there's actually also a resonance between the sound that we're making and the vagus nerve. Ah. And it is regulating the vagus nerve, which is like mission control for our whole body. So it is bringing us out of, if we're in a state of stress, it's bringing us out of that. And then also by doing it, we're toning and strengthening that vagus nerve so that we're less reactive to stressful situations. So to me, it's like one of the most powerful, best things that you can do just for a quick meditation. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was a good one. (laughs) Because you could really do that. I mean, literally anywhere, right? You should see me in my car. Yeah. I was just going to say the car. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And something else that you mentioned about the labels, right? All the labeling that we do. So I'll share something from Tibetan Buddhist perspective, which is that all those labels are obscurations of the mind. And they are actually ways of not knowing someone. And those that are closest to us, we have the most labels for. And so in a way, we know those that are closest to us the least. In the name of knowing them, we know them the least. And that no one is their lab- the one label that's operating at that time because it's probably like a part of ourself interacting with a part of them, right? Mm-hmm. Taking mm-hmm. that from IFS, internal family systems. Mm-hmm. The part of the Buddhist training, at least Tibetan Buddhist training, is to see beyond those obscurations into the fuller person, their deeper personhood. So not even like the totality of the labels, like they're all of this, but seeing beyond that into what are they beyond all of that. And so um, Christians might call that like their divinity. It fits into many faiths or spiritual traditions. And there we are. Hi. And it's like when we see a child and we look into their eyes and we connect with the potential of that being. And that sometimes for most of us, that requires a moment of pause to like step back and look into their eyes. But we have these special moments of connection that snap us out of our habitual patterns of thought. Just like when I saw your child right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Look at that special being. Mm-hmm. Boom. And these times that we are snapped out of that habitual pattern of thought are profound because it's waking us up to the fuller truth. So in speaking, like being in the present moment, that book, The Power of Now, I'd been meditating for a while and I was like, but he doesn't have to tell us how to get in the now. Right. Like, sure, the world right. is powerful. Like, how do we, <laughs> we find it? So <laughs> one way of finding it is to recognize that these moments that snap us out of that pattern of thinking 
are really special and that they're worth noticing. And by at least someone teaching us that, then we learn to look out for them. And on the meditation cushion or chair, wherever you like to meditate, a practice can be to recall those moments of deep, caring connection. When we saw into the deep dignity of someone else or when someone was seeing into the deep dignity of us. And to marinate in these moments, learning to recognize them and letting the power of them heal us. And as we do that, then we naturally and organically experience that now. No one has told us that they're important teaching ourselves and our children. It's that these moments are worth noticing. They're worth savoring. And they Absolutely. are what it's all about. Especially we don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, what next week's going to look like, what next year's going to look like. So even more important now because so much is fragile we're learning in this year and so much could happen so much could change so absolutely and i would love if at this moment because we do want to be mindful of your time if you could lead us in a meditation of your choosing just to kind of give people the tools as we go into this holiday season and with you know grappling the unknown of 2021 we would love for you to help us with that I would be honored to. So I'd like you all to think of one of these special moments of care and connection, a time when you felt deeply seen or heard, perhaps a moment with a grandparent or a coach or a mentor or a special teacher, or maybe a moment of play with a young person or with an animal, and perhaps even a time when you were in nature after hiking up a steep hill, looking out into the expanse, the beautiful vistas, feeling at home, welcome here, deeply seen, welcome just as you are. And you may hear my puppy snoring in the background. So that's actually the moment I'll use this moment right now of his feeling of trust, of being together, a sound that only he makes. It reminds me of a sound my grandfather would make. He had sort of labored breathing, just riding in the car with him. We wouldn't say a word, we would drive around and look at the cherry blossoms together. And I would hear the sound of his breathing. Can you think of a moment like that? A moment of deep acceptance and love and experience that moment as if it were happening right now. This moment is now looking into this special being's eyes, noticing the detail in their face and the warmth of their smile. Feel the quality of their presence, the warmth that they exude Notice the tender qualities like deep listening, laughter, okayness, or qualities like persistence or strength, safety, and receive these qualities into your whole body and mind, every part of you loved in its very being, exploring and accepting each of these tender qualities as best you can right now. As if this moment and these qualities were a gentle shower of loving luminosity softly pouring over you, letting any thoughts or sounds or distractions or limiting beliefs just be absorbed into this beautiful radiance resting here. And now merging into oneness with this kindness of energy, letting the heart and mind fall totally open, letting go of any visualizing, any doing or trying, and just letting this expansiveness do the knowing, the meditating. Good work. Oh my goodness. That was great. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, if for any of you newbies out there, it's very hard to... (laughs) 
keep your brain focused, but that's okay. You just get right back to it. And I think that your guidance was like spot on because it just kind of brought me back to what it was that I was supposed to be doing because it doesn't stop up there. And I already feel lighter. And my hope is that for anybody that is listening, that you at least tried at least the VOOB breathing, which really, I mean, that was amazing. I love that tip. And I'm going to take it with me <laughs> moving forward. Jonah, is there, if people wanted to contact you or reach out to you in some way, how could they do that? Sure. Um, go to my website, jonagenova.com. So that's J O N A. G-E-N-O-V-A dot com. Excellent. I hope you guys do reach out to her if you have any other questions. And we just wish you love, peace, and light for the end of this 2020. And we hope to be talking to you guys in January 2021. It'll be a new year. New year. Yeah. New year. Who dis? Anyway, <laughs> hope you guys enjoy the holidays as best as you can. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next year. Bye. Bye.